The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So I see some new faces today that I haven't seen. So my name is Robert Cusick, and I'm here for uh, Andrea, who is teaching out in Barrie, Massachusetts, at the three-month course out there. So I've been here for the last few weeks, and I think this is week number four. Uh, So this will be my last week. I'm going to be traveling myself next week. So it's nice to be here. And uh, some of you have been here for the whole thing, most of the three weeks that I've been here. So I thought today, to wrap it up, that um, I'd like to just facilitate uh, a conversation about practice and um, why you all get up and come to this Tuesday morning <laughs> sitting and, um, you know, what's, what's in it for, for each of us in a very real way rather than just um, sort of a theoretical kind of a way. So I can start off by saying that I've been practicing for a long time and um, I've watched my practice uh, ebb and flow along with my connection to my deep intention to my heart. And um, sometimes practices of very natural, easy, wonderful thing. And um, I've observed in myself as well as in other people that I work with that there seems to be times when we're just really focused in on something. And um, it occupies all of our time and our attention and our love and our caring and kindness and so on and so forth. It's a little bit like falling in love. You know, it's like that happens and then it's all-consuming. And it's wonderful. But the question is, how can we allow the ebbs, the natural ebbs and flows that are part of practice to be there and find a way to sustain ourselves and to sustain that deep intention of heart um, for the long run. Because uh, for those of you who have been practicing for a while and meditating for a while, you know that it's, it's really a gradual process. It's a process that unfolds over time and in ways that seem to be Um, sort of mysterious and unexpected. At least that's been my experience. And so um, sometimes life just comes along and gets in the way. (laughs) I don't know if I'm the only one that that happens to, but uh, it it does happen. And... um, so even with the best of intentions, it's not always easy. 
And so one of the things that has been a way of supporting and sustaining uh, practice, and it's been a technique that's been used for thousands of years, is this idea of sangha, this idea of coming together as a group with other like-minded people who are um, not only interested in but supportive of what we're trying to cultivate ourselves. And um, the opportunity to actually share ideas with one another and share um, our intentions and our understandings with one another is really a rare and precious um, gift in a way. It's a real opportunity. So, um, so I invite you to think about what sustains you in your practice. What, what helps you when things are not going as easily or as smoothly as you would like them to go? And what even would it look like for things to go smoothly and perfectly for you? So I'm just going to throw out these questions. These are questions that I asked myself. See, what, what do I think good practice is? When am I really happy with practice? Um, when do I find myself uh, in despair over feeling sort of disconnected from that which really inspires me and, and fills me with passion? I know that these aren't questions that, I, that are unique to me. So let me just ask, since you're all being very quiet here, <laughs> what is it? Just close your eyes for a moment and indulge me and ask yourself the question, what brought me to IMC this morning? Why did I actually come here this morning? Can we turn one of those mics? Oh, you've got the mic. Good. Great. Arthur, thank you. Uh, Let me see if I can put this into words. Um, Hold it right. uh, I woke up this morning with my car packed. Uh, all my gear ready to go on a photographic trip to Lassen that I've been planning for weeks and put a lot of energy in the last few days getting ready to go bringing anyway um, I got up and I happened to notice a headline that the national parks were closed because of the uh, 
<laughs> the um, whatever they're calling it. The shutdown. So I called uh, the place where I was supposed to stay, and they said, yeah, they're, as far as they know, the gate's closed. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, here you are. Here I am. And... Uh, um, I mean, it, it, it's interesting you ask this question because that's exactly what I was thinking this morning. Um, I sat down and um, thought, well, what am I going to do now? And there was an avalanche of things uh, that went through my mind that I put off and planned to do next week and uh, interrupted, and, and I could pick up on any of them. Um, and without going into any details with that, I, 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 I then started to think about some disappointments um, and some things that I was feeling pretty crummy about over the last week. If I'm go I don't know if I'm going on too long. Um, and here's the part that's a little difficult to put into words. Um, I thought about all these things thought about my disappointment and all of these things, mm -hmm. and I realized that Lassen included and everything else that was running through my mind were all going to come to an end one way or another. Mm -hmm. um, and that a lot of what I'm doing, planning, looking forward to is just a diversion from the main show of um, yeah. uh, life and struggles yeah. with it. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, you know, I don't really want to call the doctor and make an appointment to get my teeth fixed now, and, and uh, <laughs> I don't want to do this and that, so what do I want to do? And I wasn't sure, um, but I, I felt really strongly that um, I wanted to practice, Mm -hmm. I would come here and sit quietly and practice with other people and and hear the Dhamma talk. Mm. And um, that of all the things I could do, that would probably be the best thing for me to do this morning and probably um, help me think more clearly mm -hmm. at everything else mm. that I now need to put back and the pieces I need to put back in place. Mm. Um, so here I am as an experiment. Oh, that's beautiful. Trying to figure out um, what's next. Giving your own dharma talk. <laughs> <laughs> Giving your own dharma. I'm, that's, just, it's, I'm just describing circumstances. Yeah. Conditions. It's beautiful to see how a simple everyday kind of occurrence, maybe this isn't so simple because you've been planning it for a while and it's disappointed, but, but how um, some sort of a setback um, can sort of reawaken our, our curiosity or our faith in something deeper. So to just be faced with something that challenges us in some way 
sometimes will sort of wake us up. It's like if you've, well, this is a more dramatic example, but if you're around someone that's close to you, a loved one who gets sick or is dying or something like that, it just really forces you to reevaluate your priorities or doesn't, it's almost like a natural thing, something special is happening. But in our lives, having the national park shut down or getting stuck on the freeway when we have to be someplace at a certain time, anything can trigger us into, um, you know, examining uh, what I was referring to earlier as noticing these phases of practice, noticing like you can notice the phases even <laughs> in a, in a, the, in the day of a life, <laughs> in the life of a day. <laughs> what is the expression in the day of a life? Anyway, in your day-to-day experience, in any one day, you can notice yourself go through a whole lifetime of expectations, preferences, wishes, disappointments. And then every once in a while when that happens to me, it's like, this is just too much to deal with. And at that point, I remember my practice in some special way, or I think of a teacher I've had that it's funny because I'll always think of one teacher <laughs> and then I think if I would just be reconnected with that teacher, my life would be okay or something. So it's, I keep reaching outside myself to try to... But it's interesting to just connect with that place of... Because that's, I think that's a key... area in which we can cultivate the skill of sustainability. Otherwise, we get discouraged. We go over the cliff in a way. I'm so glad that you decided to come and join us this morning. Thank you for sharing that. Did anyone else have... My name is Jan, and um, there's a lot of different things that come to mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, for years, I struggled with the um, resistance to practice, the resistance to practice, mm-hmm. and coming from a more ego should either have to look good or have integrity or all mm-hmm. these sort of rule-bound things about practice. Mm-hmm. And that brings up resistance, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm in a fortunate place. One thing that helped me was having a lot of structure. So taking classes Great. helps, right? Mm-hmm. So externals, motivations, um, and so the MBSR classes or classes that are taught here, to, so the Sangha basically and mm-hmm. structure mm-hmm. and... Um, keeps me focused. Um, 
I'm in a fortunate place now, though, and this is partly how I shifted to for now, um, is to re- to find a place that's coming from the heart and the and the the the, the being drawn to truth, mm-hmm. um, rather than from any of these rules or shoulds or ex- even the desire to be happy or feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, just to allow myself to be pulled into practice. Mm-hmm. And for now, that's feeling so much better. And I have the space in which to feel that, mm-hmm. fortunately, right now. So I don't know how that will be when, if and when that switches again, mm-hmm. that I don't feel, feel that permission to allow that to come from a space. And I still need the structure. Mm-hmm. I still use structure. You know, I have checklists. And it helps me to uh, feel that. Sure. That that um, being seen in some way by mm. some entity from the outside, whether it's on a checklist or mm-hmm. or a class or a group, but really it's only the inner part that matters, and that being drawn from wherever, mm-hmm. and knowing that, mm-hmm. and also um, just when you talk about practice like this it's never the same and there's long dry periods and there's Mm -hmm. rich periods Mm -hmm. it feeling like we want it to feel or I do anyway we want it to feel Um, really juicy and good yeah you know weeks of thoughts being driven by thoughts and whatever and knowing that none of that matters really Mm -hmm. it's the sitting and the practice and um, and the living that really matters. The other thing that's been helping me recently with practice, and I guess that's part of the satsang, is the teachings, and that isn't something I've focused on so much. I've been mm-hmm. more a pure experience the, person, you know, mm-hmm. sit and experience. So the study. Is the what, study. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Or, the, or the talks. Yeah. So that's, that's what comes up for me. Yeah, great. Again, we see that the <laughs> we all come... I think I can say this, we all come back to that place of what's really important is in the heart. And we might look for it outside, but um, sometimes the disappointments (laughs) take us back to that place. That's kind of reassuring in a way, isn't it? Yes? Yeah, it reassures me. So, and that's, thank you for sharing because um, there's many ways to become skillful at practice and many ways to um, cultivate the skills that can sustain us through the ebbs and flows of practice. And um, studying is certainly one of them. People can get really... uh, involved and charged up and find a lot of insight and understanding that comes through just the effort to study and to show up for teachings and um, to take take it in. And I think that that's one of the reasons that so many people come to IMC is for uh, the talks and the classes and so on and so forth that are offered, as well as for the meditation and the silent practice. So... 
a balanced kind of an approach, a balanced practice seems to work because it's sometimes in our lives study is like the main thrust or our practice is the main thrust, experience is the the main kind of thrust. So we find ways to sort of balance things out or we don't and we're out of kilter for a while and then we readjust. But I want to ask you um, another question here uh, and this is one that I've asked myself over the years. Do you think it's possible if you're a practitioner and you really feel some connection to the practice, do you think it's possible to um, get into a, a place in your life where practice takes a back seat and then you could actually lose your connection to your practice? Do you think that's possible? So if you've ever noticed yourself meditating a lot and then suddenly you don't meditate at all, do you think it's possible to lose that, not just the momentum, but the practice itself? Yes? Uh, I can't... Yeah, uh, is it on? Yeah. Yeah. I can't say it's possible, but it didn't happen to me, but I don't know what the thing was. I, I certainly had moments, I certainly had periods for nine months to a year where my meditation practice took, took a back seat, but I always felt that I still maintained a distant connection to it. There was always an intention to return. Uh, it was always... At, at a low, it was always at a low volume, but it would never, was never turned off. Uh, it never turned so, off. So, mm. uh, it's because I felt it was important, but I think it's because I had to let it take a back seat because I felt I had to absorb solely what I was doing. Mm-hmm. In my early days of meditation, it was very tidal, high tide, low tide, mm-hmm. high tide, low tide. Now it's more even keeled. Mm-hmm. Uh, Did, did, what was it like for you during that time? What did, what did it feel like? Uh, oh, she says it wasn't on. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I can tell the difference now. Okay. Um, it was like there was something on the back burner of the stove at low heat, uh, mm-hmm. but the stove was still on. Mm-hmm. Um, so... So there was that quality. Did you have an, an attitude or any kind of an assessment or judgment about practicing or not practicing during that time? Uh, my uh, sense was that uh, I had confidence that it would, I would eventually return to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was sort of an attitude of, I guess, faith in the way that Sharon Salzberg talks about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that uh, this would once again get integrated, but that was mm-hmm. the way it was. Mm-hmm. Great. And and I'm so glad that you're back. <laughs> well, since 2011, I've been a much more even keeled meditator. I'm not, I'm not a title 
tidal Medicare. High tide, low tide. High tide, low tide, and, yeah. Uh, since that was from 2001 to 2011. Since 2011, I've been much more uh, well, we're on the same wavelength. I'm the ebb and flow. This is the ebb and flow talk. <laughs> yes. Uh, good morning. My name's Diana. Um, <clears throat> I arrived due to loneliness. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been moving alone through my practice for about a year, mm-hmm. not coming consistently. Uh, listening to Gill's talks mm-hmm. online um, and intermittently sitting, mm-hmm. formally sitting. Um, the loneliness surfaced in the awareness that I felt I was seeing and hearing things as I moved through life that others weren't. Mm-hmm. And so the stimulation to return was to be with the Sangha mm-hmm. and realize that the aloneness possibly has been self um, called in. I don't know mm-hmm. what else, to, but I. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, the interesting thing has been for me is that although I have not been formally and consistently sitting, I have been able to not judge it. Mm-hmm. And Beautiful. it appears that my awareness and my mindfulness in just simple day-to-day life Mm -hmm. has just uh, become almost at times overwhelming. Mm -hmm. So although there's not been the formal practice, there has been a a component that came in that um, has been very interesting to witness. Mm -hmm. And I was never in fear that formal Mm -hmm. practice would not return. Mm -hmm. I've just been allowing it whatever my intuition was taking me towards to do that on that day. So whether it be reading something or listening to Gill or um, doing a walking meditation instead of a sitting practice. Um, Mm -hmm. But I'm not frightened of distancing or letting it go or it is what it is right now. Mm -hmm. Lovely. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mindfulness practices <laughs> in itself sustaining. So, I mean, it's a, it's a source of sustenance for us is what I'm actually trying to say. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, to answer your first question, why did I come here originally? Um, was to hear you speak, somebody had mentioned that you had come in place of Andrea, and I was just curious to mm. hear what your talk was about. So, mm. fortunately, I was a little late, but that was life. Um, I, I think that that last question was a very important one. I think that there has been times, I've, I'm a long-time meditator, and uh, I think there, it is possible to drop it completely in my life. I have for years sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think it was due to, well, I know what it was due to. It was due to a relationship where somebody was not supportive of it and, in fact, was hostile to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, for peace, uh, it was easier to drop it. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it was ever... Hold it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, I, 
but like the gentleman said, um, it, it maybe wasn't off, but it was all. It was at a very, very low volume. It was, the desire was always there because I, I had a a strong faith that this meditation is is the way that we are to become what we are meant to be, mm-hmm. and and that has been arrived at through a lot of research and and talks, and it's just been reinforced uh, over a lifetime of further you know instruction and and reading that this is the the process by which we will become more mindful of our our existence and and move towards our divinity that we were meant to be, become uh, so I think there was always that strong faith there so when that those circumstances changed and sometimes it, uh, dramatically changed. It allowed me to go back to what I naturally wanted to do was to go back into that meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like a lost friend that you hadn't seen in a long time, but a friend that you've known so long that even if it's been years, you can pick up uh, right away. Um, and those years uh, weren't there. Uh, so it's that, that kind of good friendship Mm-hmm. And now going back to it, um, I'm I'm more relaxed about whether it comes and goes. But you, al- I always feel that I I want to do it, mm-hmm. and that a day is not good if I can't get in a couple of periods of meditation in a day. But if it doesn't happen, I'm content to say, well, that was life, and sometimes life intrudes for whatever reason, and we don't accomplish what we'd like to do. And I've allowed to allow, I've uh, learned to allow that to ebb and flow, mm-hmm. but always now there is that deeper feeling that it's it's never it's never going to go away again. To that extent, I'm never going to compromise with my external life, my interior path and journey that I'm on now, mm-hmm. and that's what I continue to do now. So, um, and what sustains me is the faith that this. That word I use, fate, but that um, unprovable, maybe, thing. This is how you are going to learn to become what we are meant to become, you know. Um, and everything that I listen to, and that's why I come listen to different people, just to make sure, again, you know, is that 99.9, you know, somebody may mention something that I've missed or. <laughs> or even to deepen it, or even to take it in a new direction. Would, not only do I want it wider, but I want it deeper and broader at the same time. Mm-hmm. So thank you uh, for allowing me to share. Yeah, beautiful. Thank okay. you very much. Good morning. My name's Becky. Um, I have worked with meditation very inconsistently for a while and recently due to a lot of life complications mm-hmm. <laughs> and textures, I'll say. Um, I've come to practice regularly and um, listen to a lot of talks if I can't um, mm-hmm. come here. And I have been just floored by the transformation in my life. Um, and I haven't yet gotten to a place where I've felt it. Um, it's been challenging because I've just found it so rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that it's, I just find myself um, 
living just more in the present moment and the the sort of metaphor I think of just so regularly is just holding everything a little bit more gently mm-hmm. in everything that I do, in my responses um, as I move through the world and the disappointments or the challenges that come my way. Um, I just hold everything a little bit... I just hold it more gently. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's the combinations of the combination of the practice... And, and taking time, and even if it's a full day, as you were referring to, and I just sit for five minutes, um, it brings me to a place where I'm just more present and compassionate and open with everyone and everything and myself um, yeah. included. And so I can't see, at this point, <laughs> any reason. I mean, I'm so drawn to it because I don't want to miss out on that goodness. Mm-hmm. So I, d- I don't foresee at this point um, a place where I get so far away from it because it's just been this amazing gift. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Thank you all for sharing so beautifully. Arthur has some, another thing he wants to say. I, I, before you start, I just want to comment on... Um, what you were saying and what you were saying in terms of um, it's almost like um, everybody is pointing back to that place within themselves and I'm just just for the sake of this conversation I'm going to call it you're pointing we're all pointing back to our heart see I'm even touching my heart and there whether it's an old friend and that we have faith that this heart will befriend us under any circumstances even in the face of big or little disappointments you see and that we don't want to miss out on anything it's it's such a precious thing to have that connection to the heart and it's so beautiful to be in a community or a group of people that can talk about that and understand what one another is saying. This is one of the beauties of practice. And um, in many ways, our journey is a solitary journey. I mean, we have to do the work. People can point to the moon, but we have to, you know, we have to make the trip ourselves. So we can feel alone, but we can also feel the connection with everyone and everything. So it's really, really quite beautiful. And to, to see whether you're like just overwhelmed with the, the wonderfulness of practice, if you're at that phase in your thing, or whether it's like a time of dryness or something like that. And, yet, and somehow that friend let's call it a friend, somehow that friend is there, low on the back burner maybe, but that friend is there. And if we can stay connected, even if it's just the intention to be connected, I think we're safe. See? Arthur, Arthur and then... I'm Eleanor, and can you hear me? 
uh, hold, hold it up. Like this? Yeah, yeah. that's better. Um, <clears throat> I've practiced off and on and intermittently for a long time, but very intensely for the last um, bunch of months. I was diagnosed with a pretty bad, con- a pretty bad disease a number of months ago, and I have been very frightened, and I have, mm. it, I have found um, so much help and so much strength and so much getting through this and looking at, you know, the fact that I have this disease and, and I might not survive it, or I might, is very scary, but not as scary as it was. And people... Notice that. I notice it myself, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, I find it hard to talk about, and I talk to some people about it. It's particularly hard, but I thought I, I just felt like I should do that today. So I, so I went, so I had a lot of surgery, a lot of treatment, and, uh, and was feeling like pretty good. And then I went to the doctor, and I thought, oh, God, I'm going to have like a little, I'm, I, I meditate a lot. I have a whole structure that I do before I go to bed and other times, mm-hmm. you know, when I do that. And I don't not do it. And it, ma- it makes a lot of difference for me. But yesterday I went to the doctor and, and they saw something they didn't like and I felt just plunged back into um, the old place of being really afraid. And I got out of that fear a whole lot faster than I have in the past. I've been reading... Very intently, Sharon Salzberg's book on faith. You gave the first talk on faith here, I believe, and I didn't. I didn't come that week, but I did mm. listen to it. And so I'm very, I'm very focused on, you know, what do I hold on to when I get really frightened that sustains me? And I'm fine. She talks a lot about, you know, um, which we all know about how much in life you can't. You, you have to take what comes. You just you do, you don't like it, but there it is, and you mm-hmm. can either fight it a whole lot or you can make your peace with it. And and I'm learning to do that. And and it's been uh, mm. I wouldn't have believed it, you know. So today I came here just mostly to um, to um, feel grateful that after yesterday I'm where I am today, you know, and that I have. I'm just doing okay. I'm doing okay, actually. Hmm. And uh, I feel like I feel like I can face whatever's going to come. I feel whatever comes down, I'm going to be able somehow, or rather, to do that and to uh, be okay. Hmm. Yeah. For what it's worth, I feel the same way for you that you'll be able to handle it. And, and this expression of um, accepting your experience and not resisting your experience and, and recognizing when fear is there but not necessarily just totally immersing yourself in the identification of that fear. Um, the acceptance is part of what brings release there. And, you know, oftentimes when, we're, when we have a big challenge like this, um, we'll, people will tend to try to use their practice as a way to keep themselves 
at an arm's length from the fear or the discomfort or whatever it is. It's like, ah, I can't stand this, I better meditate. And then we, try to, we sit down and we try to meditate and our mind is in a swirl. And, um, and then at a certain point, um, we just see the resistance that's there. And you um, see, at that very moment, I've discovered this in my own practice and I've had one or two health challenges myself. Um, but in that moment, it's almost not the health challenge that's the issue. It's the, it's the fear that's arisen, and it's the way, it's my attitude about the fear, or how I identify with it, or I don't identify with it. And so being able to see clearly what's arising in the moment and what's causing the difficulty and the suffering. Um, Just that seeing of that for what it is can sometimes soften the heart, moisten the heart, so that you can hold that with compassion, with self-compassion. And it doesn't necessarily mean that what we're finding objectionable or if we're in pain or something like that, doesn't mean that it just instantaneously goes away, but our relationship to it shifts and becomes more spacious, which is what I'm hearing you say. So so I wish you well as you go through this. I will send you metta from, from the depths of my heart to sustain you, and, um, and practice will be a source of sustenance for you and a source of peace and um, uh, really peace and freedom. So, and, and, and you, you have what you need to go through this and each one of us has within ourselves whatever we need to go through whatever challenges that we're facing. It's one of the things about practice that's so even when we put it on the back burner for a while, <laughs> uh, when, when we need it, it's, it's our friend and it seems to be there for us. So, thank you for your sharing this morning. Anyone else like to say anything? So, um, first, I just want to wish you well. Hold it up, Arthur. I, I, I wish you well and some ease with what you're going through. Um... So um, um, I uh, uh, back to the practice, losing practice, stopping, ending practice. Um, mm-hmm. So I was practicing very intensely for 15 years, um, and uh, one day, I don't exactly know why. Well, I, I guess it didn't happen in one day, but at some point in the, at the at, after about fifteen years, I um, uh, got distracted with photography, um, 
which I'd been doing, but I, I, I started to devote my time to that. Um, um, and I basically stopped practicing, although I never lost respect, belief, interest, credibility of the teachings of the Buddha. I just didn't practice or with anybody. Occasionally I would sit. Um, so there were days, many days during that time, and this went on for about eight years, um, when I would um, think to myself something like, what if I were to die today? Hmm. Um, this would all be, I, I would be dying in the face of absolute emptiness, absolute nothing, not emptiness. Um, mm -hmm. Uh, that's the wrong word to, to use here. Um, just a pointless existence. And I had that thought many, many times. Um, and I rationalized all this, and, 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 and part of that rationalization was about the practice that I was, who I was practicing with, and the teacher, and so on and so forth. And I convinced myself that... Um, um, if I would continue to practice if I could find a teacher, um, which wasn't true, but of, it, it was a rationalization. Um, um, uh, and then there was some trauma in my life, um, and I, um, at the in the midst of that, I knew I needed to return to practice. Hmm. Um, um, and so I've been practicing here, um, which has been a wonderful experience. And, um, but there are days, um, uh, sometimes weeks, where there's disappointment with people, uh, events, different parts of it, sometimes related. Well, forget, there's always that in life, but some of it uh, directly related to IMC. Um, and come to see that those disappointments and so forth are the same rationalizations. They, they're, 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 they have not anything to do with the practice. They're just um, the same stuff that goes in, on in my mind over um, a trip to Lassen or, or, or anywhere else. Um, uh, things don't always work out the way we like. Um, mm -hmm. And things aren't, aren't always the way we like. And it's very easy to go from that to think that this is, there's something wrong here. Um, mm -hmm. uh, mm. So. Mm. So is there something wrong there? Yeah. Anywhere. There's something wrong everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 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 this is uh, samsara. Hmm. This is what? Samsara. Samsara? There's something wrong with everything. Here. This is how things are, yeah. This is how things are. This is really how things are. Yeah. With a hole in the middle of it. And I'm sure that you're not the only one that's ever had the thought, my God, you know, if I die today, I've had a... It's all meaningless. What does it mean? You know? 
So what brings us back from that thought? I'm asking it as a legitimate question. Yeah, in my case, it was, as I said, a trauma, a a real suffering. uh, um, uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, knowing that, you know, I needed to find the answer to that suffering. Mm -hmm. So maybe the heart brings us back. I have an answer for, I think I have an answer for what brings us back. I think in a moment of, you know, existential doubt, like what happened if I got hit by a bus on my way out the door and what would it all mean? I think something that brings us back is just impermanence. You don't, you don't hold that feeling of doubt forever, right? I mean, you may have that moment of, you know, what if, and, but that doesn't last, right? So right. impermanence takes you to the next moment and the next moment and the next moment, and you may pass from that feeling and into a feeling of stronger faith or just into the next moment of life with different content, content different things going on that distract you from that feeling you were having. Right. Yeah, and um, so it's interesting because I think that's a very insightful um, observation and we're not always connected to the reality of impermanence in the midst of our experiences. We may be invested and identified with whatever it is that's making life feel meaningless for us. And so to be able to um, uh, practice with the kind of uh, awareness and insight that gives us access to this truth of impermanence is um, very liberating. And it can be cultivated. It actually can be chosen. We could choose, just like we can choose to study a scripture, we can choose to focus on a certain aspect of practice. And um, so I, I, <clears throat> I do end-of-life work, and I watch people um, uh, uh, either come to meet this truth with a kind of acceptance or to uh, not see it and resist it and, and all of the holding on and the tightness and the suffering that comes up around it. So, and impermanence seems to be a mystery. It seems to be very mysterious. And so it requires faith to allow us to... see this arising and passing away in our own direct experience and not be terrified by it. It can be a little bit scary in the beginning um, and it can be scary in the middle and I suppose it can be scary in the end depending on where you are. But um, it can also be 
the point of liberation. It can be a moment of freedom when you see that and are able to let go of it. You see, because generally when we're thinking, oh my God, if I die today, it's what have I done that makes any difference? And, you know, I, I think of people I knew in my life, you know, that died, and I think of my grandparents and <laughs> generations of people who have died, and then I think, well, what is it all about? You know, what does this mean somehow? So it can be a kind of a depressing thought. <laughs> but to see the arising and passing and to meet it with um, a, a very open-minded and open-hearted clarity it can really be liberating. It can really be how we can come to accept um, the challenges of the ebb and flow of our practices and the dry times and the juicy times as well. Okay, we have time for one more question. Uh, well, Ross McCarson, I just want to be a comment on what you said. I think that if you get to that point and say, was my life meaningless? Uh, you know, what was it all about? I think to it, for me, it's a reflection on, I don't know what, I, I like to believe that there was good that I did in my life unbeset unbeknown to myself. Mm-hmm. So I think that what we have to recognize is that if we have tried to live with a good intention throughout our life, we may not have realized that that person we smiled at on the street one day, which was nothing that we really were conscious of, created something in their lives that had ripple effects or something that you said to somebody that didn't really mean anything to you meant really, really, really something important to them and changed them in some way or or move them a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I think that if you feel that you have tried to live intentionally as best you can, mm-hmm. have screwed up at times and have not done everything and have lost it, but that the general trust was in that direction, that you can kind of say, well, I hope I've done good. I don't really know. But there is that sense that there was a reason for my existence and maybe I was doing it some of the time, mm-hmm. even if it wasn't uh, most of the time. And that sort of can give you some comfort that... But also it propels you to say, well, if I wasn't doing it most of the time, maybe I should be doing it most of the time now. And therefore, you go forward, we would say, ah, maybe those things I've been wasting my life on or distracted with aren't really important, and maybe I should be living more mindfully right. of the intention of what my existence was meant to be. So it, 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 that is off a, a very uh, eureka moment in terms of being able to be comfortable with where you've come from and what you've done or what you not really realize the benefit that you have given to mankind in your existence mm-hmm. up to now, and then moving forward in a very positive way to say, I've got more to give, and I'm still living, and therefore let me give not the 10% or 20% I was giving in the past, but let me give 80, 90, maybe even 100%. So I am really in tune with where I'm meant to be and what I'm meant to be doing. Beautiful. May we all give 100% of all these beautiful qualities. So um, thank you all for your participation this morning. And it's been really a delight to be here with you over the last four weeks. I hope to see you again sometime, either on this side or on the other. (laughs) And um, I really genuinely appreciate 
that transparency and the honesty with which you all entered into the conversation this morning. I think one of the real um, values of of Sangha is uh, at some time, not all the time, but there are times when it's appropriate to actually talk about our practice in the way that we did this morning. It helps to normalize things for ourselves. Um, We, as a community, come together and we sit quietly and we meditate and we have our experience um, and then (laughs) we we say a few words to one another and then we go out the door and, and into our daily lives. But to share what the experience of practice is like with one another for for ourselves with one another is so uh, powerful, uh, powerfully useful in terms of normalizing practice. Even if we were talking about what do we do with the mind when we're trying to focus on the breath and it won't stay on the breath. You know, just to hear that other people have similar experiences is very helpful and and it allows us to see things that we might not see as quickly by ourselves. So um, a lot of what was said this morning um, pointed to that place of faith, that place of, of trust and friendliness in the heart. A lot of it pointed to how we can get over-identified with our experiences, and um, some of them are really difficult, and some of them are, they seem less difficult, but in the moment, whatever is happening is what's real for us, and so we have to, um, as, a, as, as a group, we can begin to see that there are ways that we can be friendly towards ourselves. you see? So... Um, May we all find the way to open up the compassionate heart and to live our lives with um, meaning and um, kindness and with benefit for not just ourselves, but for other people as well. So thank you all. And I wish you a beautiful day. May all beings everywhere be happy and free.